Welcome to The Lawyerist Podcast, a series of discussions with entrepreneurs and innovators about building a successful law practice in today's challenging and constantly changing legal market. Lawyerist supports attorneys building client-centered and future-oriented law firms through community, content, and coaching, both online and through The Lawyerist Lab. And now, here are the co-authors of The Small Firm Roadmap and your podcast hosts. Hi, I'm Stephanie Everett. And I'm Aaron Street, and this is episode 335 of the Lawyerist Podcast, part of the Legal Talk Network. In today's episode, Stephanie is talking with Labster Mike Howard about how he is using the traits we teach in the Small Firm Roadmap to grow and improve his criminal defense firm. Today's podcast is brought to you by Termageddon, Text Expander, Postali, and Rankings.io. We wouldn't be able to do this show without their support, so stay tuned, and we'll tell you more about them later on. So as we've mentioned in a couple of podcast intros this summer, we're spending some time in our free Lawyerist Insiders Facebook group doing a summer-long book club around all of the content in our book, The Small Firm Roadmap. And this week is the first time we're bringing on a current member of the Lawyerist Lab program to talk about how he's implemented some of these principles and skills successfully in his practice. Yeah, I was super excited for this conversation because it occurred to us that obviously we can sit here and and tell people why we think this content is good and necessary and how we think it can improve your business. But it'd probably be more interesting to hear it from actual live lawyers using it. We've got Mike this week, and I think we've got a number of current and graduate lawyerist labsters lined up for the next few podcasts or among the next few podcasts to do similar success stories around how these things can hopefully improve your practice too. Yeah. And I think it'll be interesting for people to hear because real tangible examples, because again, how does this actually look in real life? And I love, and people will hear in a minute, Mike talk about the parts when he read in the book and he was like, oh, I almost skipped that chapter because it sounded really dumb or woo woo, (laughs) which I love that honesty. But then he was like, I dug through it. And now actually that was the most critical change that I could have implemented. And I was like, oh, I love that because I love when people push back and tell us like, yeah, I actually wasn't really on board with that idea or I didn't think it was gonna work. And then to see how they actually did end up using it. That's so cool. So now we have Zach's conversation with Hans and Donata from Termageddon and then my conversation with Mike. Hey y'all, Zach here, the legal tech advisor at Lawyerist. And today I have Hans and Donata of Termageddon with me and we're talking website privacy policies. Hans, Donata, thanks for joining me today. Thank you so much for having us. We're very excited to talk to you about the latest news in privacy. Because we know that everyone loves talking about privacy policies. Oh, oh yes. Yes, yes absolutely. Everybody is on the, the edge of their seat right now. <laughs> uh, but it is very important. For those of you who don't know, Termageddon is a privacy policy generator, a terms and conditions generator, and a website disclaimer generator. It, it, am I missing anything? That's, that's a lot of stuff. 
that's it for the most part. We also offer end user license agreements, but those aren't as popular. Most law firms utilize our tool to help generate website policies for their clients. If they have a client collecting as little as an email address on a contact form, that means that that client's collecting personal information and may need to comply with a multitude of privacy laws. So our tool helps lawyers help identify what privacy laws may apply to a client and help provide the disclosures required under those specific laws. And then Termagen monitors privacy laws and notifies uh, the attorney when those laws change and when they should reach out to the client, letting them know that their privacy policy needs to be updated. Right. We're kind of in the Wild West here as far as it goes with privacy policies. I mean, every state is able to do their own thing. And you've got GDPR. You've got changes in GDPR. We've got changes in a lot of the safe harbor provisions in the GDPR. And then California has different laws than say, Tennessee. So what's some updates with that? I'm the legal engineer behind Termageddon. So I'm actually a licensed attorney. And I can say Termageddon started because I hated writing privacy policies for my clients. Mm -hmm. Anybody listening here will probably nod their heads in me saying that writing a privacy policy is the absolute worst, but it is something that you need to do as part of your job. So because of the broad reach of privacy laws, even if your client's located in the U.S., they might need to comply with EU and U.K. privacy laws, Canadian privacy laws, and obviously the mess that's going on in the U.S., so we make sure that the privacy policies have those disclosures that your clients need. And as Han said, we do monitor privacy bills and privacy laws for you and provide you updates when privacy laws change. About a couple of weeks ago, Nevada updated its privacy law, Nevada Revised Statutes Chapter 603A. That's something to keep an eye out for. I believe the governor of Colorado has about two days left to sign their privacy bill. It's something that will require a lot of your clients to update their privacy policies. So what we do is we track these bills and all of these changes, and we notify you of these changes, of course, but then we also provide you with new text to add to your clients' policies when they need to comply with these new privacy laws or when existing privacy laws such as Nevada's are amended. And right now we're tracking about 30 privacy across the US as well as Canada's proposed changes which would allow Canadians to sue any business directly for violating that privacy law by, for example, not having a compliant privacy policy. So if you have clients that work on e-commerce, which is most businesses nowadays, everybody went online, clients that collect the personal information across states, across countries, or do business across different states and different countries, our program can definitely help you keep up to date with all of that so you don't have to spend literally your entire day just keeping track of privacy things. You can work on other matters as well. Well, keeping track and then also making those changes because I have actually created privacy policies, but most of the time go and grab one from somebody else, edit it a little bit to make sure it's appropriate for for my client and then put it on their website and then set it and forget it. Without something like Termageddon, this is not the, the Ronco sort of just create it, set it and forget it. But with Termageddon, you guys are embedding this onto the website. And so the changes aren't actually made in the website code as much as just in the, in the platform. Yeah, yeah, in the Termageddon dashboard. And then you guys are keeping track of it. This is the stuff where uh, you go onto a website and it says, accept these cookies, accept all the cookies. What kind of cookies do you want? All of that. It's creating those kinds of compliances, right? 
The, that specifically is a cookie consent display, which is mm-hmm. a little bit separate to website policies. Coincidentally, we'll probably be having an update for you on that part. We're looking into launching that feature within our own tool so that it's just yeah. available along with the website policies. That's mostly the technology part of it. As an attorney myself, what attorneys we would bill our clients for is the the actual text of the policies. So that's the part that we help you create the technology portion of it, obviously work with IT and the website designer to create all of that. But our main goal is to make sure that you as an attorney can save time and effort and be more efficient in your time management. Uh, because now you won't have to copy and paste from five different templates. You'll just get the policy already created and you'll review it. You can make any changes that you'd like to the policy anytime. And that will help save you a lot of time and headache. The majority of feedback we get from attorneys that go through our questionnaire and we give attorneys a free complimentary license for their own website free forever. And we do mm-hmm. that in the hopes that you're willing to take the time to go through our process and see what it looks like and I think every single attorney that's gone through our platform says this is way more comprehensive than I need to like reach out to my past clients who I offered privacy policies to. Like I need to get this updated because a lot of people don't realize privacy laws don't care about where your business is located. If you have a contact form and you're collecting things like name and email from people from certain states, countries, or continents, you may need to comply with their privacy laws, even though you're not necessarily located there. It's not like a overly burdensome process either. No. Um, it takes about 20 to 25 minutes maybe to create a privacy policy with us. That sounds pretty fast. Actually, that's kind of nice. I've had folders and printouts and read over different various privacy policies and, and then tried to edit my own. And so having something that is straightforward and always going uh, seems like I mean, kind of a no-brainer, really. If people want to find out more about uh, Termageddon and if they want to get that that free license for themselves, they can visit termageddon.com, scroll down to the bottom of the page and find Law Firm Partners page to receive the free license and test it out, use it for your own website and see if you like it. So Hans Nana, thanks thanks for being with me today. I always enjoy having you guys in. Yeah, thank you so much for having us. I'm sure we'll see each other soon. <laughs> Absolutely. Welcome to the show, Mike. I'm so excited to have you and to talk to you today. Me too. And in full like disclosure to everyone, so you're in our Lawyerist Lab program. And this month we've been talking about our book club in the Insider Facebook group. And so this is sort of an extension of that, which is our opportunity to, to talk to real live lawyers and talk about how you've implemented the concepts in our book in your practice. The book for me was a real jumping off point. It It's what led me to, to lawyerists in the lab, but it also really kind of accelerated my growth. It's been a, a fantastic experience. Awesome. I love hearing that. Set it up for us. You had had a practice for quite a while before you sort of really started focusing on your business. What did that look like from a business perspective in the book? When I left the public defender's office, I had no help, no staff, I ran essentially a virtual office. I had a an office space where I was not really officing, but I would meet clients and go to court every day. I'm a criminal lawyer, so I'm in court every day trying cases and whatnot. Over time, I built up, brought in a paralegal and eventually another legal assistant. But that was essentially my practice. It was until I found lawyerists and, and until I started kind of broadening my horizons, thinking about what the practice of law could be, 
I'd hit a plateau. I was doing kind of the same things. I was doing what everybody else did. And, and that's been the biggest change for me is kind of getting out of that mindset. I'm curious, like, was there something that happened or sort of an aha moment where you thought, why am I doing it this way that made you want to change? I'm not... It was a couple of things. First, I had, I've always kind of been tech forward. And so I had always been using paperless and, and tech tools. At one point I switched to Clio and I went to the ClioCon a few years ago and, and that got me interested in Jack Newton's book, uh, Client Centered. And when I read that, I really liked it and I was really excited by it. I, I'm one of those people that when I get excited about something, I kind of obsess is maybe a strong word, but I jump all in. From there, I, I want to read another book about this. And that led me to the small firm roadmap. I, I was familiar with Lawyerist as a website. I had read, you know, various articles on Lawyerist and I'd used tips from Lawyerist. But when I found the book, that was the second book I read. And that just kind of opened the door for me. What did you identify as the big things that you wanted to change and, and be more intentional about with your business? Talk about things coming together all at the same time. This was right before and kind of going into the beginning of the pandemic. We were already in a big period of upheaval and change. And I was very worried about what my business was going to look like, whether I was going to be able to survive as a business. I was very much looking for adaptability. And so when one of the chapters of the Small Firm Roadmap is about being adaptable, those concepts like really resonated with me. Starting from being intentional and planning through everything about my practice, what I want it to look like, not just the day-to-day -day serving clients. I, I was always very good at that. I had always gotten great feedback from my clients. My clients were happy. I feel like I'm a good lawyer, but I was stuck in a rut and I wasn't growing. Um, I wasn't growing as a business. I didn't feel like I was growing as a lawyer. That mindset shift of starting to, you know, be intentional, actually thinking of a a vision and a mission statement and all that, things that beforehand I had always kind of thought of as corny, woo-woo business. Love that. I love that yeah. mission. I get it all the time. I, so many people are like, oh, I, I really didn't want to do this. It sounded so dumb. Oh, I am so that person. I mean, when I read it, I almost skipped the chapter, to be honest. I'm just one of those people that if something strikes me as corny, I just kind of can't do it. My initial reaction was, oh, I'm just not down with this. But I made myself read it. And what I really realized was, and of course, the way y'all wrote it was, look, we understand this sounds like woo-woo, <laughs> trust falls in the woods stuff. What I realized is your vision, your mission statement and all that, it is what you make it. So if you want to make it a bunch of meaningless business speak, it can be. But if you want to make it real, it, it can be that too. Starting out from a place of just making myself sit down and ask myself this such a simple question, which is, what do I want my business to look like in a year and five years and 10 years? What do I want to get out of this personally, professionally? When do I want to retire? Those kind of questions were things that we all think about Unless you make yourself intentionally do it, you don't tie it back to specific things within your business. It's like saying, I want to retire one day, but then you don't have a retirement account. 
you have to specifically save for retirement. And just saying one day I want to be able to travel the world is great, but actually opening the account and specifically saving each month and building towards it in an intentional way, that's what that did for me. And so sitting down and doing that really helped make me slow down and think about things. And then from there, it just kind of informed everything I did. It helped inform my staff and it helped make sure we were all on the same page. As I brought people in, it's so easy to say, look, this is who we are and this is not some corny business talk. This, I, I, I mean this stuff. I don't know if this resonates with you. For some folks, especially people who maybe have have a practice like yours where it's criminal defense and they think of themselves as the trial lawyer and they're in court every day and it probably feels very different than maybe other practices. Was that hard for you to think about your criminal defense practice as a business or, or did something change in that respect? Yes and no. For me, not as much, but that's because of my background, my uncle who it's kind of like a father figure to me. My father passed when I was young and my uncle kind of stepped in and he was an entrepreneur, opened his own business. And so when I went out on my own, leaving the public defender's office, you know, I went to him and said, one, if I fall flat on my face, can I get a loan? <laughs> and two, what do you recommend? And, and he had given me all this advice about how to run a business. And so even though I told myself I'm not selling hospital supplies, which is what he does, I had a foundation of, look, a profit and loss statement is a profit and loss statement. I, I got to be able to pay the bills. So it's a business. But within my practice, any sort of trial lawyer, especially criminal defense, we're different from lawyers that have a civil practice, an office-based practice. We are very likely not to look at it as a business. And so most criminal lawyers... It's go to court every day, meet with clients, set a case for trial, prepare for trial, go to trial, rinse, repeat. And it's very easy to stay in that cycle and never take that back out 100,000 foot view of am I on track? Do I need to make changes? Because you're always preparing for the next trial. And so this exercise of both reading the book and having the, the pandemic time, but also just being intentional even now when I'm back in pretty much 100% now, just building in time to say, all right, where am I? Am I taking steps forward towards my mission, towards my vision? Am I implementing these things? I think really setting me apart from a lot of the people that I practice around. I know one of the things that you shared with me that you feel like you really started doing differently as a result of this foundational work is thinking about client journey mapping. Tell me about that. What does that look like for your practice? I've always thought of myself as empathetic on a personal level, but I had never really tied that to my practice. I felt like I empathize with my clients. I came out of a public interest, indigent defense. I started at legal aid. I went to the public defender's office. I didn't go to law school to become a millionaire. And so obviously I care about my clients and I fight like what for them, regardless of whether they can pay. So I always empathized with them, but the client journey mapping really was taking that general concept of, I care about my clients and taking it to another level of stepping into their shoes. And what would it be like for a client to hit my website for the first time? What would I be feeling? Okay. Now I'm calling because I'm interested. What's that experience like? 
is the hold time annoying? Do, do I like the hold music? And then just going through that entire process and looking for, I think in client centered in, in Jack Newton's book, he talks about friction points. And that, that really resonated with me. Just looking for any point where it, you feel like a client runs into friction because as a customer, whether you're a customer of Amazon or Home Depot or a lawyer, there are other options out there. And if I run into friction, because you don't pick up the phone when I call, I'm just going to call the next lawyer. If I don't like the, your website because it's hard to get the information I need, then I'm just going to call another lawyer. If I've hired you and you don't return my you know, calls quickly or whatever it is, I'm just going to move on. That client journey map was a real aha moment for me. It was something that I had never thought about in that way. And it, it really circled, identified and kind of highlighted gaps for me of where my problem points were. I, I had a pretty good client experience because I had always, in a general sense, focused on making that good. But it identified those places where that, those friction points were. And I was able to just make little small corrections to make that better. And my client experience got that much better. I love that. And I love that real life example because I think we, sometimes we use these phrases and it's hard to see like, how that actually looks in practice. And I know for you, once you started thinking this way, like you said, you were able to make small changes, which lead up to big changes, but it really helped you kind of pivot, I think your entire practice, right? I think you yeah. know, you would have said before, maybe you just were copying the tone and branding of what you saw all everybody else do. And this really allowed you to focus on, no, actually, what is it that I want to put out in the world? That is such a big thing, Stephanie. I mean, you know, Look, when we first graduate law school or we first go out on our own and we're first putting out our first website or sending out our first engagement agreement, it's easy to just copy somebody else's. Hey, can you send me your engagement agreement? I've never done one of these before. But just copying the tone of everybody else puts you in the pack with everybody else. And when you're a criminal defense attorney, you know, just Google in your area criminal defense attorney and look at 10 websites and you're going to see fight for your rights, aggressive defense. It's the same tone. And if you're a client, so again, putting yourself in the client's shoes, what stands out about those people if everything you read is fight for your rights, tough, aggressive defense, experienced lawyer, you know, fight for your rights, whatever. But then you find my website, which is all about client experience, returning your communications, trying to make this process that we know is very emotional and difficult as, as easy as possible for you. And what I hear back from my clients, because client feedback is a huge part of that journey mapping is, hey, how is this working? Uh, the feedback we get from our clients is, this is why I picked you. And you did exactly what you said. You made it easy. And then I get great reviews on the back end and, and referrals. So it's this, again, kind of this uh, flywheel effect of once you start it moving forward, it feeds itself and the momentum picks up and all of a sudden your practice is really moving forward. I love that. And I love that you actually followed one of the things that one of our homework assignments in lab, which is to actually connect with current and former clients and get that feedback, especially because you're a criminal defense lawyer. That's what the one homework assignment that a lot of people dread. And mm -hmm. the criminal defense attorneys always are like, but I don't know if my clients want to 
tell me like they're <laughs> right. But you yeah, I did. And, and that was also one that maybe didn't feel corny, but yeah, it seemed scary. And it really shouldn't because as lawyers, clients come to us to solve their problems, whether you're an estate planner or a family lawyer or a business centered lawyer or a criminal lawyer or whatever, our people come to us with a problem and you help them solve that problem. And asking them, how did we do is really an eye-opening experience. And to make it easier, the way I approach it with clients, and again, this just kind of feeds into my brand, my whole thing about I care about you and I, I want to make this experience as easy as possible is I always couch it in because I understand, look, I mean, you buy a product and you get that annoying survey that's just like, rate your experience. It can feel very impersonal. But when you call a client and you say, hey, we really care about your experience and we're always looking for ways to make sure that we're delivering to you, making sure that your experience is as good as possible. How are we doing? How is this specific process? How is the onboarding process or whatever the question you have is? And invariably, the response I get is, I'm so glad you asked. And even when the experience is, is not entirely great or even negative, the client is relieved and happy that I care enough to ask. And they are couching it in, hey, Mike, I know you care. And so I want you to know this because I know you care enough to fix this. And then oftentimes when I do get a negative experience, I follow up with them and let them know exactly what I've done to fix that issue. And it makes them even happier. I've even gotten a review on Google, I think it was, based on me fixing a problem. The person had not done a review and it's not like they had a bad experience, but something they weren't particularly happy with. I got feedback. I didn't know that they were unhappy until I got that feedback. And then I fixed it, went back to them a week later and said, hey, here's how I fixed that issue. And then all of a sudden, an hour later, I have a, a five-star review on Google saying, Mike did this and that. And, and he responded to my needs. And it was just incredible. Awesome. That's awesome. Well, let's take a quick break. We need to hear from our sponsors. When we come back, I want to hear about how you avoid shiny object syndrome. It's hard to keep up with trends when you're rushing to court and helping clients, but new cases hinge on topping the results page. You need a marketing partner to keep you informed and your firm growing. That partner is Postali, and you should know about Google local service ads. LSAs connect you with folks searching for nearby legal services. LSAs show up at the top of the page higher than maps and other listings. And the best part, you only pay if you're contacted through the ad. Appearing when somebody searches for lawyers near me has never been easier or more affordable, letting you focus on the law. LSAs are a great addition to existing PPC efforts or a standalone initiative. Quickly initiated by the Postali team, LSAs and a partnership with Postali can get your firm where it belongs. To learn more about LSAs and Postali services, Visit postali.com forward slash lawyerist and reach out for a free consultation. Support for today's episode comes from rankings.io, a search engine optimization agency working exclusively for personal injury law firms. Simply put, rankings.io helps personal injury law firms dominate first page rankings. You'll never have to chase them for an update or hunt them down for an answer. Your clients expect you to be accessible, and rankings will meet that standard for communication and transparency. You'll have a full team of SEO specialists fighting to put you at the top of the Google search results. Personal Injury Lawyer SEO is all they do. 
so all of their processes, playbooks, and people are completely focused on generating qualified cases for your firm. Best of all, you'll be one of an elite few. Delivering exceptional service and results requires focus, so Rankings.io carefully vets clients before accepting them. They're an ideal fit for growth-oriented personal injury law firms. To see if you're a fit, visit rankings.io forward slash lawyerist to get started. Support for today's episode comes from Text Expander. Text Expander removes the repetition out of work so you can focus on what matters most. Say goodbye to repetitive text entry, spelling and message errors, and trying to remember the right thing to say. When you use Text Expander, you can say the right thing in just a few keystrokes. Better than copy and paste, better than scripts and templates, Text Expander snippets allow you to maximize your time by getting rid of the repetitive things you type while still customizing and personalizing your messages. Text Expander can be used in any platform, any app, anywhere you type. Take your time back and increase your productivity. Show listeners get 20% off their first year. Just visit textexpander.com forward slash podcast to learn more about Text Expander. I think when we first started working together, you confessed to me that you do like to chase those shiny, shiny things. Oh, this is a big issue for me. I, I said earlier that when I get into something, I get, like I said, obsessed is a strong word, but okay, I'll be honest. Obsessed, I jump in. When I was in college and I got into a certain period of history, I would read like 30 books on that period of history. I'm just that person. No, I mean, no, it's a problem. (laughs) Knowing that about myself, I know, and I've gotten this complaint from staff, like, Mike, you can't throw 10 changes at us at once. You can't implement new technology and then, oh, by the way, now we're going to switch it again. And so kind of going back to that intentionality, vision and mission and all that, Just that idea of I'm going to map this out was the first kind of thing that made me slow down and it made me go, okay, I want to make all these changes, but once you put them down all on a page, you realize, wow, that's 50 changes or whatever. I clearly can't do all that at once. And then the other thing is that kind of self-awareness of just knowing yourself. I know that... I jump in with both feet. And if I get excited about something, I kind of can't think about anything else. And I just, uh, I'll work until 4 a.m. on something because I'm just so excited about it and I'll drive my staff crazy. And so knowing that I've really built in those kind of roadblocks to pace myself to, again, kind of talking about empathy, talk to my staff. Hey, I need you guys to let me know If we're going too fast, I need you guys to let me know what you think of these processes, what you think of this new thing. Do we need to slow down? Is this something we need to think about for the next quarter instead of right now? Because yeah, I I can just kind of chase, especially when it comes to tech, just kind of chase the new, like, ooh, this came out. I want to go get it. I think you've shared with me that one of the other things that's really helped you is now having a barometer, maybe. We often talk about ROI, return on investment, like do I need this new tool and what is it actually going to accomplish in terms of saving me time or saving me money? Or is it just really cool and I want to try it? I was listening to the lawyers podcast a a few episodes ago. And one of the things that somebody had said was, look, you, you make small tests and you're willing to try something, but then if it's not going to work, you jump out. And so you have to set some kind of 
key performance indicator. This is what success looks like for this. I'm going to try this new piece of tech. And that only works if going into it, you say success is going to look like this. And it doesn't have to be some like number. Maybe it is a number, or maybe it's just this saves me an hour a week, or my staff says this process is easier, but you go into it with some sort of knowledge of this is what I'm looking for, for success, not just this is this cool new thing. And if you do that, then you try new stuff and you're willing to try things. And then, Hey, if it doesn't work out, no big deal. You just discard and try again. I mean, that's kind of that design mindset that the business community talks about all the time is the way you stop yourself from being stagnant is you brainstorm and then you come up with an idea, you test it. And if in the testing, it's not working out, maybe you make a, an adjustment and you retest, or maybe you discard. And that process of always kind of testing and, and cycling through and then getting feedback on your testing, and then either you implement it because it worked, or maybe you retest, or maybe you discard, that is both the way you keep yourself moving forward, but also the way you, you keep yourself from constantly chasing that shiny new object. Love that advice. I want to give you a chance for some humble brags. It doesn't even have to be humble <laughs> because I think one of the things you shared with me was, Hey, I've been working on my business and being really intentional about it for the last, I don't know, let's say year, I think is maybe the time frame you'd put on it. Yeah. Um, and since that's happened, you've seen real movement and real change in your practice. And so you can share whatever numbers you'd love, but I'd love for you to share what are the actual tangible results that you've seen as a result of really focusing in. It wasn't woo-woo. It really mm -hmm. did impact your business in a meaningful way. I, I ran my numbers a few weeks ago. And what I was doing is I, I said, let me look at not where I am this year compared to last year. Because I was like, eh, middle of pandemic. I don't know that those are good numbers to compare to. I looked at, I think it was 2019. Let me look at the last quote unquote normal year and look at where I was before implementing any of these changes to now. And that's, of course, taken into consideration any sort of slowdown. I know for me, I never really had a slowdown. I mean, there were some, a couple slow months, but I was so busy implementing changes and, and thinking through these things and whatever that I was always busy. But, um, revenue, just income in, I was up 49%. I was able to cut my expenses by 10%. And the combination of everything, total operating was up 266%. I, I couldn't believe it. I, I'm not a numbers guy. So I ran those numbers like 10 times. <laughs> I actually, you know, called my accountant and was like, is, is this right? But I know that's true because a couple of things have happened. I'm busier than ever. My Happy client reviews are more than ever and I'm growing my, I've got new staff. I've got, you know, a bigger office than ever. I can really feel in the lab. We talk about 1% changes, little small steps, never trying to bite off more than you can chew. And that's how you make big changes one little step at a time. And when I look back a year plus, I mean, it really does feel like I've run that proverbial marathon. I mean, it's just, it's amazing how much change you can make, but it, it really is, you add up these little small things and you, you take a small step, you, you try it, 
If it doesn't work, you discard and you try something new. And then when something works, great, try another small step. And that process of rinse and repeat, always being kind of hungry to improve yourself, your business, really can make radical changes. Congratulations. It's so awesome. And it's worth noting that those are significant numbers and real improvement and real dollars, but it didn't happen overnight or by itself, right? I've been along your side, you know, helping you. So I know this, you are doing the work day in and day out to make those small improvements and to stay focused on it. And sometimes people don't realize that or or they're not willing to do it, right? But but you were there, you were doing it. And now you're seeing those real results and real changes, which is awesome. My biggest thing is, again, and one thing I wanted to say to to people, because I know there's people like me, is that because I'm all in or all out, it's easy to get discouraged. I've had a weight loss journey over many years of my life. And it's kind of the same thing. It's easy to say, oh, I've stopped losing weight. I've been bad for a few days or whatever. I'm off the wagon. I'm just not going to try anymore. That sounds um, familiar. <laughs> yeah, totally. But it's the same thing with the business. Look, we're lawyers. We're busy. You get in trial or you get that big new client account and you're too busy working on client-related work to work on the stuff you really want to work on your business. It, it shouldn't be. You do everything you can to build in guardrails, to build in focus time or whatever it is so that you can always have the time to work. But hey, I've done great, but I, I have those weeks uh, where client emergencies happen. I'm running down to the jail to, to see a client or whatever it is, or I'm in trial. Always returning back to it and just, okay, I'm going to get back on that horse and we're going to get back to the work. And that process of constantly returning back to the business is what moves the business forward. All the cliches in the world, you're not going to build Rome in a day. That is really true. And you're going to practice law for a long time as long as you look at it as small steps forward for that long process. You're going to do great. I couldn't say it better myself. That's great parting advice. I love it. Thank you so much for joining me today and sharing your story. And I know it's honestly, it's just getting started, right? You're going to continue to grow and have so much more success. And I can't wait to be a part of it. Thank you so much. It's been an absolute honor and I can't wait to to continue to grow together. And I can't wait to see where, where I go with Lawyerist and also where Lawyerist goes in the future. So thanks so much for having me. The Lawyerist podcast is produced by Bailey Tiller. Are you ready to implement the ideas we discussed here into your practice? Wondering what to do next? Here are your first two steps. First, if you haven't read the Small Firm Roadmap yet, grab the first chapter for free at Lawyerist.com book. Looking for help beyond the book? Let's chat about whether our coaching communities are right for you. Head to Lawyerist.com community lab to schedule a 15-minute call with our community manager. The views expressed by the participants are their own and not endorsed by the Legal Talk Network. Nothing said in this podcast is legal advice for you. 